Hello and welcome to the Case Reopen Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me this week is the man, the myth, the legend, Justin. You're back. How's it going? Uh, good. Can I get a little bourbon? Oh, wait, that's too early. Never mind. Sorry. A little bourbon? Jeez. You're really, you're about like hundreds of chapters early. Hundreds? I just got to it in volume 60 two that they mentioned it for the first time and he hasn't shown up yet come on a hundred thousand hundred chapters <laughs> like 500 600 Jeez. 700 that's wild uh and then of course we have colleen great to have you back hello good to be back N- no alcohol required thank you no, al- no vermouth what are you on call, Colleen? You like a cop? <laughs> uh, let's say that. She's a part of the FBI. Oh, that would be fun to be undercover, an undercover cop. Yes, that is my new job in life. An undercover podcaster. <laughs> an under. <laughs> For some reason, stalking uh, or investigating a case uh, closed. No, no, no. Uh, you were right the first podcast. time. Stalking. Stalking. For stalking. Sure. True. Colleen's learning our deepest, darkest secrets while doing this Conan podcast with us. Hmm. Let me just write that down. And the, <laughs> the first dark secret we're going to talk about is episode 63 of Detective Conan, which is the big monster Gamera murder case. This originally aired on June 16th, 1997. And Conan starts us off by saying that today's stage is the set of a new movie. Where a crime is committed in the shadows of a monster. I mean, this time he's not lying. He's not. He's very true. That's actually a pretty enticing intro. It is. It really is. It gets you interested here. And I remember really liking this case, but I couldn't remember. I kind of remember who did it, but I couldn't remember, like, the trick. So I was excited to give this uh, another watch here. And the episode begins with the detective boys watching a Godzilla-like film being made. It's revealed that uh, Professor Agasa set this up and that he's friends with the director of Gamera, which is uh, his friend Mikami. And then the kids are allowed to get a good look at the monster during their break and they start walking around this miniature city. They're all like just wowed by movie magic. They're like, these cities are so small, but they look so realistic. So they're they're having a real good time, and then we see a man emerge from the Gamera suit, and Conan has to explain to all the kids that it's a costume because they thought like, oh my god, the monster had given birth to this large man. Yeah, I love that. Is it? I think it's Genta that says it. I'm just of course, like, it's Genta. That's why I love you, Genta. It's so funny. Genta's so dumb, but I I gotta say he has a good moment later this episode mm-hmm. where he defends Ayumi's honor. What a guy. Well, it's because Mitsuhiko needs another uh, love life in his life, which will come eventually. I gotta say, of. like, Mitsuhiko, like, doesn't talk during this episode. I don't remember him talking any during this episode. I feel like he's just kind of there. Oh, no, he has a Gent at one point. I think he has a little bit of lines. Hmm. Yeah, which is most of his lines, is him yelling at <laughs> Gento, which is fucked up, Mitsuhiko. We then meet the artist uh, that works on the set design. His name's Adachi. And he yells at the kids for touching the city with their dirty hands. And he tells them off. And then Gamera's actor, Matsui, he introduces himself. 
and he says that he'll watch the kids as he doesn't have anything to film until later this afternoon. Genta then remarks that it's always the bad adults that don't ally themselves with Gamora. So he's kind of throwing some shade at the uh, set designer here, calling him a bad guy. When we meet an actress by the name of Sakaguchi, who plays Emira the fairy, and uh, she's used in the film to calm the monster's rage. Genta's very confused by seeing her as... She- he doesn't believe that she's the fairy as she's too big. That's so great. And then he says that she looks too old to be the fairy. Ouch. And then she gives him a lot of sass. It's like, yeah, on. but she's like 24, which is really ridiculous. Yeah, but she started in the series when she was like 14. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, 14 to 24, that's like, well, let's say women lose, go out of their prime at what? What would we say, Justin, to be really offensive? Like, <laughs> 20? <laughs> Uh, Tyler, what what do you think? I'm staying out of this. <laughs> no, no, I would never say he's such a thing. I'm a perfect gentleman. Uh-huh. <laughs> As you said, 20. I'm joking. Please don't cancel me. I'm just adding this to my notes, guys. <laughs> just remember in your notes, I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I made a note of that Justin as well. Justin is a perfect scholar. The director says that they've been putting their love into making Gomorrah for the past decade, and then we meet the evil movie producer, Osamu, who interrupts to say that this is the last year as uh, these monster films are merely for children, so they're going to get replaced. Wait, did you just say Kyle? Kyle interrupted? Oh, hey, Kyle. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. How's it going? I'm finally here. I'm sorry I'm late. <laughs> late? <laughs> this is a really I'm bad... here, Kyle. At this rate, I don't think anybody's going to realize that it's not Kyle's voice. What are you talking <laughs> about? I'm here. I'm Kyle. Don't, don't, don't throw shade. It's like this podcast yeah. has different it's arcs. That Kyle would say, there was right? like the Kyle arc, and then now we're in the Justin arc, so. I feel like we're in the Colleen arc. Oh, You've okay. come to the podcast. Maybe. So. You, you two are battling over which arc, what the arc gets named after. What, what really is happening is I'm signing up for... Some kind of future event that might be coming in the coming winks. Wakes. Winks. Weeks. <laughs> wink, wink. Winks. <laughs> yes. Very sly, very sly. Yeah, Justin's going to make his grand return as, like, the grand villain of the podcast yeah. later on. This is That's all just filler. And then Kyle will come back and save us. And then I'll just keep returning Kyle after at the end of every episode. <laughs> Another hint. Wink. Because he's a treasure. <laughs> Get it? Okay, you can continue. It's <laughs> really learned, bad. We learned that uh, <laughs> they're ready to screen a rough cut of the latest film, and that's when Sakaguchi denies... Uh, he tries to pick up the uh, fairy, and he's like, hey, let's go out for lunch. But she's like, no, we're not doing that. She's having nothing to do with him. And uh, she then says that he wants her to play a female detective in a new film, and Matsui mentions that he was offered to be a criminal. It turns out the only person... That will be out of work will be the special effects guy. So, bummer to be him. It's because he wasn't uh, allying himself with Gamera earlier. That's probably why. Or because he didn't get into CGI. <laughs> Very true. Well, give him a couple years or a couple weeks in Conanverse time. CGI will be big. You know, I do want to ask you guys, since this is like a Godzilla riff, um, do you have much love for Godzilla, Justin? Justin? Well, did you know that they just released the whole Showa era of Godzilla collection uh, movies? 
released on Blu-ray. Did you buy it? I did buy For it. For an affordable price. 15 or 16 bucks. And it's, I watched the first one, and it's, oh my god, it's so beautiful. Cleaned up very well. Anyways, yes, I do like Godzilla. So there we go, a rousing Godzilla fan there. And Justin, what about you, Colleen? Uh, yeah, I think my uh, fondness for Daikaiju films came mostly from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, and how they kind of just dub over the funny yeah. parts. So yeah, like... Uh, Godzilla, Gamera, Mothra. There's a special place in my heart for those kind of cheesy. The Gamera movies of theirs, they're so good. They make me laugh every time. What about you, Tyler? Uh, Yep, Tyler. Jeez. Skipping over yourself. I see (laughs) see what you're doing. Well, I didn't have an interesting answer. Uh, I I like them, but I I can't say I'm like a huge fan. I I haven't gone out of my way to watch a ton. Uh, I remember watching them as a kid, though, like uh, the old films, and I, I used to like them. I haven't seen any of the recent films. The last one I saw was like, was like the 1999 Godzilla. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty I'm sorry. out of I'm date. I'm sorry that ruined it for you for I'm, life. I'm pretty sure I saw that in theaters, too. So Most people did, and they probably all regret it. <laughs> I remember thinking it was fine, but, you know, when you're young kind of don't hate anything you're just like eh, there's a time what i would recommend for you tyler um if you can find a way to watch it um the latest japanese one uh shin godzilla is fantastic it's kind of like the original in that it's kind of just like a political story for the most part with godzilla around doing stuff and it's just amazing uh, i will put that on my movie list so thank you justin so, Matsui uh, shows the kids a bunch of props from the past films, and we get a really funny moment as he uses this giant monster hand to scare Ayumi, who then spills her drink all over him, and then tells the kids that he's going to go get a movable uh, Gamera face to show them, and he tells them to stay in the room while he fetches it. However, we then hear him scream, and that's when we see Matsui with a, a knife, just put right in his leg he's been sliced uh he then says that gamera attacked him which is like a fictional monster but it's somebody wearing the suit and the kids go run off after it they then see the producer get murdered by gamera as he stabs him in the chest and then he runs off Kenan runs after the man and finds footprints from uh paint that it was knocked over and that's when they run into the actress Conan runs toward the Gamera figure to the roof, but nobody is there once he gets up there. He then looks down from the rooftop, and he finds the suit on the ground, on fire. However, nobody's inside it, so we have quite the mystery. A a missing man, Justin. How did he do it? How much of this did you remember, Justin, of this case? Uh, This is another one of those cases where it's, like, kind of engraved in my head. Uh, uh, Reading it, rewatching it, I'm like... Yep, this is one of those good episodes again. Uh, so, yeah. Um, as weird as it is, especially with how this episode ends, there's going to be more Gomera episodes, but all of them are like really good and really enjoyable. And this is just the start of it, so. Yeah, I couldn't figure out like how he disappeared from the rooftop. That He got me good on that one, because he fooled the kids it, and he fooled me. I'm about to 
the same intelligence as the detective <laughs> boys, apparently. It's it's this episode in general is one of those really good ones because everything happens so quickly. You start thinking like, well, it happened so quickly, so it has to be these people. But all of those are the red herrings, which is insane because we didn't didn't talk about it that much. But once, um, what's his name gets stabbed in the leg, quote unquote, um, they, the Conan runs off to another room, uh, nearby, and that's the room that they're looking out of to see the, uh, Gomeras stab the other guy. Um, and it happens so quick, like, seconds. So in your head, you're just like, how? No, that doesn't make sense. That literally doesn't work. I don't care how fast you are, um, kind of thing. So that's the only like. And then the thing with the, like the going up the steps, and it's it's a weird case, but it all works out if you just kind of take the timing out of it. A little yeah, bit. It's, it's real clever. Uh, so Inspector Megary arrives. He starts asking everybody for their alibi. The director then says that he was alone doing a continuity check on the film. Conan then points out that he's sweating a lot, and the director just says, oh, I, I just naturally sweat. And since he's not, the, he doesn't wind up being the culprit. This dude really sweats a lot. Let's, th- let's talk about that, because it was like an abnormal amount of sweat for just like watching a movie. So I didn't recognize it as sweat in no, the first probably place. probably a hot room. It was just like these two patches of darker colored like it was like a burgundy color let's say and his shirt was like red so i was like what is that supposed to be and it's only until he said oh i sweat a lot that i i got what it was but before then i was like i have no idea what's happening with his shirt yeah it was like a disgusting amount of sweat there was yeah way too much it was blood the whole time they really didn't catch the real killer we then learned that Gamera's actor needs to go to the hospital and Megary says that he couldn't have done the crime with his injury. Uh, the actress was near the producer. We learned that the actress was near the producer as she was trying to get him to watch the Rush version of the film. When they kept saying Rush version, I kept imagining if it was like a version of the film like scored by the band Rush. Canadian <laughs> legends, Colleen. Thank you very much. I feel like that would be a, a better film. Colleen, what's your favorite Rush song? Uh, <laughs> um, the one that they're known for the most. <laughs> Whatever it was. Alright, we'll go with Tom Sawyer. Yes. Tom Sawyer. Jeez, poor Jetty Lee let down that his own Canadian doesn't can't name a Rush song. No, I'm a failure. Disappointing. I don't watch hockey either, so. <laughs> Next we learn that you don't even like go to Tim Hortons. Uh, I don't actually. <laughs> oh my god. Are you even Canadian, Colleen? Have you been lying to us? Have I just been saying that I am? I actually live in Pennsylvania. That would be a pretty good bit. <laughs> she probably lives right on the board. No, I'm Canadian. Jeez. Maybe not the typical you don't kind. Act like it. <laughs> you mean the American kind, you non Canadian. The American kind of Canadian. The actress then says that she couldn't tell who was in the outfit, but it looked like a guy. It looked like the guy in the suit was having trouble walking. Gasa then enters and talks about how he was watching the Rush film, 
And then we get a really funny scene where Gasa and uh, Megary meet for the first time. And Megary's like, oh, I've heard your name before. Kuda told me that you're always making crazy inventions. <laughs> and Gasa gives Conan, like, the greatest death glare. And he's so mad that he's talking shit on him. It's so uh, surprising to me that they haven't met yet. Like, I didn't realize this was their first meeting. Yeah, I know. You'd think they would have uh, interacted, but, you know. 60 what four episodes in we finally get that first interaction between characters yeah i like i like noticing that i like that we have all these different and god conan gets so many characters later on but like when you finally see like mm-hmm. a certain pairing together it's always fun like always like when hattori's meeting somebody new for the first time and interacting with them mm-hmm. like that's always fun gasa then remarks that the actress and the artist both left during the screening the set designer then says that he didn't leave the paint there and that he left because he noticed things that he needed to fix on the set. It's then confirmed that he only left for about four minutes. The actress then remarks that the designer did leave out the paint, and that he must have forgotten about it. We then learn that Matsui wanted to quit being Gamora and move on to a more normal role. Conan then retraces his steps, trying to understand how the killer escaped when Ayumi asks to make a grave for Gamera. That's when Conan, just like the total dickhead, snaps at the poor girl, and he tells her that this isn't the time or place for it. There's too much stuff going on to build a grave. And so Genta, her knight in shining armor, has to come there. He's like, don't get mad like Gamera. And uh, then Genta, the beautiful large boy, he helps Conan figure out the case because he says that he he points out that there's no teleprint going up the stairs, which means he was angry. So that's a little little thing we learned. So I'm glad I'm glad Genta got to be helpful for once. He's secretly the smartest person. I've been telling you this the whole time. No, no way. Yep. He's like not so secretly the hungriest person. That's about it. <laughs> I don't think he ate anything in this episode. That is true. This might be the first episode that like Genta didn't eat anything in. Maybe he tried to eat the paint. <laughs> <laughs> I could see him doing that. Conan then figures out the trick and he runs downstairs to look out a window. When he does, he sees the Gamera suit laying there and he's figured everything out. Conan then sneaks into the storage room and then runs into them taking Matsui to the hospital. Agasa then asks of Conan if he's solved the case yet. And he says he has, but he's not sure about the culprit. He also doesn't understand why Matsui was attacked. Conan then looks through the movie props and touches a jagged object. That's when he figures out who the killer is. Colleen, I'm not sure how much you remembered this episode, but when did you realize who the killer was? So I uh, remembered this episode really well, actually. It, uh, well, being a tribute to the kaiju films, like I mean, it's a Godzilla-like monster, but Gomera is obviously based on Gamera. So, I don't know, it stuck in my mind really well for some reason, and I remembered exactly who did it, and what the trick was and i i was able to sort of pay attention to the little clues left behind um like the fact that ayumi's drink was spilled on his shirt i remembered that that was going to be important so it was really fun rewatching it and actually uh kind of remembering and picking up on things maybe that i wouldn't have picked up on if i was just focused on the mystery yeah that's a mm-hmm. good point that's what makes this rewatch podcast so much fun getting to re-experience all this for the well, not the first time, for the second time, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Conan then realizes that he didn't bring his tranquilizer watch with him, 
And then we get this great, amazing sequence here soon where Agasa has to pretend to lip sync his deduction. And this is the first time. First, like, yeah. Yep. This is an episode of firsts. Conan is in a new outfit. It's his first time wearing casual clothing. Oh. So it makes sense why he doesn't have his tranquilizer watch. That. No? He probably left the tranquilizer watch in his other suit. I didn't realize all the clothing change. But he remembered his bow tie. Yeah. That's a signature, man. So yeah, Agasa starts talking it up. He's like, oh, I've got this great deduction. And uh, then he starts spouting off a bunch of nonsense about how it was used by like like all these crazy effects and stuff. And Ken is just like embarrassed and he's like, oh my god, what's he doing? He's like, just follow the script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Gasa then reveals that we don't know if the killer really went upstairs. He says that the killer made up the footprints on the stairs in advance, and that he only used Gamera's feet to make them, as there's no tail print there. Instead of going to the roof, he then ran downstairs, lit the costume on fire, and then tossed it to the ground. The actress and the set designer say that can't be true, since how would the killer know how to make the footprints the same color as the paint that was accidentally left out? Agasa says that they are both lying to protect the killer. But before Conan can explain it, the detective boys walk right up to him. They're like, Conan, what are you doing back here? That was the best part. <laughs> and then, yeah, and just totally in Agasa's voice, like, making sure everybody knows. He's like, shoo, shoo, get away. <laughs> so he says that through the bow tie. And then Agasa has to cover because, like, Every Megary and everybody's so confused by this. And he's like, oh, there's a fly saying, shoo, fly, shoo. <laughs> then reveals that the killer is Matsui and that he self-inflicted himself with that wound after the crime happened. Megary says that the kid saw the injury before and Agasa explains that he used fake blood to fake it. Matsui then put on the suit, killed producer, and then had the kids follow the footsteps. That's why he insisted on taking care of the kids, as he knew they'd be slower. He then set the suit on fire to remove traces of his sweat on it. Agasa says that the second knife is mixed in with the movie props, and that the shirt that he's currently wearing is evidence, as it's no longer stained with the juice that Ayumi spilled on him. The actress tries to convince Conan that he's wrong and pleads with him. However, Matsui admits to the crime. He says that he never considered doing anything else as he only wanted to play Gamera. The rumor that he wanted to quit was made up by the producer, and he tried to save the Gamera franchise, but the producer said there was no turning back. He couldn't tell the rest of the crew as they were putting their hearts into the film and making sure it was the best it could be. Uh, he then remarks that they won't be able to film Gamera's death scene now, and that he's sorry that the kids had to see such a horrible thing. The set designer asked the actress if she saw Matsui in the suit, and she said no. However, she could tell who was in it by the way he moved. So, kind of like a a melancholy uh, ending here. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, you know, it doesn't really seem like the guy was that terrible, although he did kill somebody over, like, an acting role, which is a, probably a bit of an overreaction. But uh, you can see how much... Like, the relationship between the actors, since they'd been working together for a decade, how, uh, you know, the actress and then the set designer both lied about the paint being there. Um, once they knew, like, oh, he must have done it. So they were trying to cover for him. Uh, Colleen, what do you think about just 
a bunch of good people kind of like trying to cover up a crime and the kind of like the bummer nature of this case. What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, well, it kind of reminded me of uh, Murder on the Orient Express, where they all have like this common enemy and everyone kind of, well, it's different in that not everybody had a stake in the murder, but once uh, at least the actress figured out who had done it uh, and she kind of urged the uh, the set designer to also cover it up, it, it kind of made you feel for all of them because they had this common enemy and they just want to protect the guy who ended up murdering him and like they they're all there and have sort of the best intentions and didn't want the film franchise to end but it's kind of sad that it had to end in murder and you know they're they seem like good people but i don't know and they got rid of like this jerky guy so i don't know it's hard to it's one of those moral dilemmas like okay are we supposed to side with the uh the murderer in this case like it's weird would you go see the Gomera movie once it's released, knowing that this happened? Uh, yeah, can you cheer on a monster that's played by a murderer? Oh, that's a tough one. I don't know if I've ever... Uh, hmm. I mean, we... <laughs> maybe I would. <laughs> it also seems like... It seems like Colleen was like totally for killing the jerky guy. So remember when I'm killed as the jerky podcast host, remember that Colleen and Justin are covering it up. Hey, doing? I'm not writing anything down. I cannot confirm nor deny anything. <laughs> no, it's not, not like this conversation's being recorded or anything. No, of course not. Uh, after the ending song, it's revealed that the Gamera movie was released two months later. They used old footage for the ending, and his death was never filmed. Conan says that Gamera lived on forever through film, but the echoing wars of Gamera in the theater sounded endlessly sad to him. Aww. We didn't get the next Conan's hint, which is a VHS cassette. And he says, next week's case is very unique. So, uh, Justin, you were excited to rewatch this. Did it live up to the hype? Yeah, I like I said, I always uh always enjoyed this episode and spoilers, this is not the last Gomera movie. Gomera shows up a lot uh in the future. I wonder who's gonna play him. Yeah, because this guy's CGI, in CGI man. CGI. <laughs> Maybe he comes back. He served his sentence. Uh Conan time, man. This episode was such an obvious tribute to those movies. Like, um, there's a part mm -hmm. that, uh, I think Mitsu, they're on the roof and they just, uh, okay. So, uh, go, they had, <laughs> the kids followed, uh, Gomera to the roof and then he like disappeared. And I think Genta's comment was like, Gomera can't fly or something like that. And Mitsu, he goes like, you, oh, no, no. Genta says that he, oh, did he fly away? And then Mitsu, Mitsu is the one that yells at him saying, no, he can't fly. And it's actually kind of a joke because um, Gamera, who's like the name's obviously based off of Gamera, Gamera could fly. He was like a flying rocket turtle. So I don't know if they were trying to add that joke in there. Ah, that's a good good catch, Colleen. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Good little joke there for Godzilla fans. 
And then uh, we move to episode 64, the third fingerprint murder case, which is uh, quite the anime original here. Uh, we're told at the onset that today's solution is very unique. Let's think carefully. So, uh, Colleen, for this one episode, only once, I'm going to need you to think carefully and not carelessly. <laughs> yeah, think for once, Colleen. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> The case begins at the uh, Mori Detective Agency as Ron reveals that they've been invited to a barbecue by Kogoro's friend, uh, Teraoka. And we learn that he was a police officer that just got promoted to an inspector in Department 4, which is violent crime. And uh, Conan's just thrilled once he learns that he's in violent crime because he wants to hear some like horrific stories. He's like, oh man, I gotta go. Let's go. I'm so excited. It was... I... Okay, my my reaction to that was um, because we obviously hear his internal dialogue or monologue rather, but uh, Ron and Kogoro obviously don't. So all they see is, oh, this guy is, uh, you know, promoted to, uh, what was it? The inspector of the this unit and then uh, violent, violent crime, crime yeah. unit. Conan going, Wow. That's, uh, wait, I broke this down because it was really weird. Okay, specialized in violence. And then all Kogoro and Rancy are, is Conan getting all excited and giddy over, like, oh, violence. So it's just a really funny um, snapshot, I guess, going from, like, talking about uh, going to the picnic and then Conan's just, like, all excited about uh, dealing with a, someone who works in violence. I don't know. It, for me, it was just a, a funny transition. Yeah, he, he was very excited for uh, like what was going to be a Loki barbecue <laughs> over violence. Maybe the barbecue was going to end in murder. No, never. Murders never happen on Detective Cannon. I don't know why you'd ever imagine guess this that. episode was just a regular barbecue, and that's it. Then <laughs> they just God. go home. I really hope somewhere because God, there's we know there's so many episodes. That there's just one episode that's not a case, not about a case, no murders, no mysteries to solve, just some good old-fashioned relaxation, some filler. Slice of life. Yeah, like, wouldn't that be refreshing for Conan? <laughs> Maybe. That but, sounds boring. Oh, I want it, though. I want the boring. Bring me the boring. Just for one episode. <laughs> yeah. I think once every 200 episodes, throw in a little slice of life. Actually, there is one episode. Oh, is just, there? It not. It sort of is. It's sort of not. It actually just happened recently. Or did oh. I read it? I can't remember if I just read it. <laughs> it's not really. It's nothing crazy. It was just like a one chapter thing. It was funny. Um, but it's a story with Kogro. And the whole episode... Is him, like, talking about, like, it's hard being a detective, being busy all the time, things like that, um, especially when you're being stalked by someone. And it's just him, like, inner monologuing the whole time about how his job is so tough and, like, him dodging this mysterious figure or whatever that's chasing him. And that's all the chapter was. Um, I won't spoil it, because if you don't know what it is, it's hilarious. Um, and that's all it is. 
Um, yeah, I vaguely remember that. So, like, it's kind of a, like one of those, because the mystery is who is chasing him, but, like, everything else in there is just great and funny. I will say, if anybody wants some Detective Conan Slice of Life, um, they did a spinoff manga with, uh, who's the, like, uh, the blonde hair guy? Justin? Wait, which blonde hair guy? Uh, uh the guy that's, like, everything. <laughs> He's, like, black organization and, like, uh, Oh, cult. that's Bourbon. Bourbon, yeah. So they did a, a, a spinoff manga with him. <laughs> Spoilers. Hey, you're the one that said black organization. She's got 400 chat like episodes to go. You won't remember any of this. Okay, but they've done a spinoff manga with him that's like really cute, and it, there's like him finding this like homeless dog. And he takes the dog in, and uh, it's all slice. What's the dog's name? John. I don't think he names the dog. I think he just calls it a stupid dog, Aww. but with love. But with love. Hey, stupid dog, but with love. Get over here. <laughs> yeah, that's the full light name. That's like how Kogoro shows affection to Conan. Hits <laughs> him yeah, over the head. Nice bump. Gets called in for uh, animal abuse. So we learned that the uh, we learned from the inspector that Mori used to be called Mistaken Mori on the force because of his off base <laughs> deductions, which is really says everything you need to know about him. Uh, Mori then asks why Teraoka isn't drinking, and he says he want to be okay if he gets called in, even though he's not on duty. Kodu then points out his expensive car, and he reveals that buying cars are, is his hobby. We then meet his wife, who I don't think ever gets named during this episode, um, and she says it's unlike- At the very end. Oh, okay. Because he yells her- out her name. Oh, jeez. Uh, she says it's unlike her husband to do an impulsive get-together- but uh, at 9 p.m. last night, he just said, hey, we got to get Mor- Mori over tomorrow for our barbecue. He then gets a phone call after looking at his watch, and he says that he'll meet the caller alone. He then leaves the party and says that it was a call from a gang leader named Matsuyama, and that he accidentally killed someone last night. Teraoka wants to get him to turn himself in, and Kegura says that isn't a good idea, because if he runs away, he'll be held responsible. He then says that he promised to go alone and that he's a man of his word, that he doesn't need a gun. I can't betray that that trust, he says. Teraoka seems like an upstanding gentleman through all these actions here. Kogoro then threatens to call Meguri and forces Teraoka to go, let him go with him. They then head to the harbor pier on Warehouse 13. Mori is told to wait by his car as Teraoka wants to go get his coat. And then there's a, a lengthy wait for him. Conan then hears a strange sound as he gets into the car, and we then see the two leave. Ron's worried about her father since he had a lot to drink. Like when has when doesn't he, Ron? Come on. I feel like him being drunk is like his sober, basically. Oh yeah. So uh, you know when the other guy said that he's not drinking because he's on duty or he could be called on duty? I feel like that was the yeah. moment when we figured out that the real reason why Kogoro isn't on the force anymore. Because he could never do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good point. Oh my god, imagine if he couldn't drink. He'd die. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Conan tells her to go to the harbor as well, so they find a taxi. Everyone arrives at the pier while Mori is still waiting outside. He says that Teraoka is in the alley, and uh, Conan says they should go check in on him. That's when they hear a gunshot, so that can't be good. <laughs> 
They all quickly run over and they find the gang member dead. The police are called in and Terraoka testifies that the gangster had pulled his gun on him and then was demanding his money and credit cards. Terraoka tried to tussle the gun away from him and that's when the gun misfired and killed him. Kegaro says what happened was an accident and that Terraoka uh, said that the man that the gangster killed the other night was a gambler. Doesn't get any worse than gambling, Justin. Gambling never pays. I don't Actually, know. it can it can pay quite well. It can, yeah. Gambling kills, I guess. Gambling uh, sometimes pays, but sometimes kills. Especially if you're on TV playing poker. I've watched that before. It's actually quite entertaining. Yeah, shout all out the players end up being like characters. Oh uh, yeah, Phil Hartmuth. He was the man. Oh yeah, uh, what was that called? I forget. I don't remember any other uh, poker. Do you know any poker players, Colleen? Uh yeah, I can't remember their names either. I I remember sort of their uh, signature looks. Like there was a guy who oh. uh, would wear like Hawaiian shirts, like this blonde guy, and then there was another guy who always wears sunglasses. So <laughs> it's quite. So fun. I was watching the kind of get to know their Europe- personalities. <laughs> I was watching the European uh, Darts Championship the other week. And uh, if you want personalities, let me tell you, European Darts, man, these dudes are wild. And the the crowd was like just, I think I think they were in Germany. So it's all these drunk Germans and they're just chanting the entire time. I don't even think they know that like people are playing darts. They're just drunk and like. There was one dude that was in a ketchup costume and the other guy was in mustard and they were just chanting and enjoying themselves. And then you just saw like people quickly throwing three darts and then like the guy wouldn't even be finished, like basically like picking up his darts when the other started throwing. It was like just so rapid fire and quick, uh, very entertaining thing to just put on and watch a bunch of Germans chant. So, Are you going to watch professional darts? From now on, probably not. But it was fun the one <laughs> one time I did. <laughs> the one experience. I feel like these would yeah, be think, Kogoro's people. I think one nights of like watching professional darts is more than enough <laughs> for a lifetime. Taroka says that he takes full responsibility for the incident, but Conan believes that it was actually murder, and the culprit is Taroka. Megary says that the man that died last night was a gambler and that it happened at around 8 p.m. It turns out that he couldn't pay his debts and was killed with a hammer. Man, what a brutal way to go, Justin. Can you imagine getting smashed in with a hammer? Um, no, because I'm not a nail. Or this <laughs> dead guy. What about you, Colleen? Have you ever thought about a <laughs> what it'd be like to die via hammer? I have, and I don't want to do it. I'm, like, really afraid of being hurt. I've never broken a bone in my body, so I don't want to get hit in the head with a hammer or anything like that. (laughs) Do you think you would need a home improvement afterwards? Oh, my God. Yeah. I know our audience is laughing. that's That's all I need. We should have like, this canned laughter. Yes. You can add that after Tyler, the fact, right? Get on that.
I tried for about 30 seconds to do a <laughs> do a uh, Tim Allen impersonation, but uh, I was trying to make noises come out of my mouth, but it wasn't happening. <laughs> Weird. I, I was just sitting there and I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> his, his little grunt is the greatest thing. Because, uh, wait, man, I, mean, I think I get stage fright on this podcast setting. We're listening. Yeah. We're waiting yeah, because... in anticipation. And uh, Colleen's well, going to make notes of it. Tim Allen Grunt. Let me let me hear the master do it a time or two so I can build up the energy. And just remember, okay. Colleen's going to make notes of it. All right. I, f- I feel like I got it down now. <laughs> there you go. That was let's, put that on, let's put that on our soundboard now that we can use. Yeah, so that's the, the Tim Allen Home Improvement Grunt. So if you type in, like, Tim Allen Grunt into YouTube, somebody has Supercut to where it's, like, 20 minutes of every grunt he's done um, during the entire Home Improvement series. And I've watched that video in full at least 10 times. Big Tim I, Allen fan, I see. No, but I don't know. It's It's a fascinating noise that he makes. And then some episodes he's just grunting. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot to be said about the masculine nature of, of Tim Allen. Uh-huh. What a guy. He went into jail for like uh, selling Coke and then he snitched. And then he's like, I'm just going to become a comedian and star in a sitcom. And now he's like some weird right wing uh, guy. But Hey, don't forget, he became Santa Claus. Respect to Tim. He did become the Santa Claus. I was, like, a member of the freaking like, Disney Movie Club, and I forgot to decline their monthly offer, and that's how I came into possession of all three uh, Santa Claus movies on Blu-ray. So, if, if anybody needs the hookup... Well, nobody's going to need that anymore, Tyler. Yeah, Come Disney Tuesday. Plus. Yep, you can unlock the Disney Vault and watch uh, all those fine Tim Allen films on Disney Plus. So get excited for that. You can hear Maybe him go. Disney can sponsor <gasps> us. Sponsor this podcast. If we plug Disney Plus enough. Yeah, maybe we can. We'll get into talks with that. Kogoro asks what will happen to Terioka, and Megari says that it was foolish to meet him alone and that his pay will likely be reduced for several months. He then says that three fingerprints were found on the gun. Matsuyama's, Terioka's, in an unknown third party that wasn't from his gang and it wasn't the seller. So this was the third fingerprint we were so confused about, Colleen. Yep. Makes sense. It was just a third person. It wasn't like, ah, oh, this is from his pinky. Were you disappointed? Was it anticlimactic? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why I thought it'd be something more. Like like a new type of finger or something. A <laughs> new type of finger? Nobody's had this finger before. <laughs> well, it could have been like the sixth finger man who, like, I don't know. Had Who's a the sixth finger man? From the Princess Bride. Oh, okay. The guy that Inigo Montoya is trying to kill. Oh, okay. What a great movie. Did you hear that they're trying to remake it? Isn't that sacrilege? It is. You can't. It's like remaking, I don't know, Rocky or Gone with the Wind or something. You can't touch Princess Bride. 
It's like remaking Detective Conan. Like remaking Detective Conan. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Imagine if they reboot the series. Yeah, once Detective Conan ends, it's going to come back. And it's just going to star Genta as the world's ace detective. Oh god. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this, Colleen. But they uh they did a remake of like the first two episodes, um, as like a anime special. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we, we sure. kind of get to see uh, we kind of get to see what a remake would look like, kind of through that. Uh, it's very much newer. Uh, I think it just came out like a couple years ago. So we won't we won't be covering it on this show for a long time, since we're going chronological order, and so that's probably about. She's 15, 17 years away um, of time and like chronological time. So probably less than our podcast time. But I'm, I'm just rambling now. Uh, Conan asked if Terioka was told about the three fingerprints. And we learned that he acted very surprised by it. That's when Conan feels as if he has the de- decisive evidence that Terioka did it. Conan then calls Terioka disguised as Megary. And leads everybody to meet up that night. Uh, this is that classic scenario where Conan calls Megary as a Kogoro, and then he calls Kogoro as Megary. So we get everybody's like, "Wait, but you called me. You called me." Yeah. So I I love mm-hmm. this scenario. It's funny each time it happens. And they never clue in that maybe it's not actually the other person that's calling yeah. them. Like they keep falling for it. Once they arrive, Conan asks to watch a TV show, and he's uh, invited to the guest room on the second floor. His wife says that the room is used for guests that stay overnight. Conan then sneaks off and searches Terioka's office. That's when he finds a missing VHS case that's just lying in the trash. Inside it, he finds felt that smells of oil. He then sees Megary arrive, and that's when he runs downstairs, just as everybody starts asking who called each other. Conan then quickly knocks out Mori. And begins his deduction show. Kogoro tells everyone to sit down. And then he says that Terioka killed the gangster. He says that he knocked out the thug. And then put the gun in his hand. Aimed it at his chest. And pulled the trigger. Terioka calls this nonsense. But Kogoro reveals that he didn't drink any beer uh, that day. And he kept checking his watch. That was because he was expecting a call from Matsuyama. He asks if Terioka is carrying his cell phone on him, and he says that it's in his room. Kogoro then says that Terioka wanted everybody to hear his situation on the phone, so he talked loudly. And then he took his time to talk about the situation, despite saying that he was in a hurry. Kogoro says that it's true that Matsuyama called about killing someone, but that had happened the day prior. They had agreed to talk at noon that day. He was talking to himself when he was... uh, Early on, uh, sorry. When he was screaming, he was actually just talking to himself as he had already hung up on the gangster. The reason he brought Kogoro alone was so that Kogoro would testify that he went into the alleyway unarmed. Uh, Kogoro almost fell into Terioka's plan, but it bugged him that Terioka didn't wear his coat despite going to fetch it. He also reveals that the gun was taped onto his ankle. Uh, Terioka then asked for evidence, as it was all conjecture up to this point. However, Kogoro does have evidence. The third fingerprint. Dun dun dun. Kogoro says that his wife had previously found the gun hidden inside his room and that she had touched it. That her worried look the day prior 
was that Teraoka was going to bring the gun with him. This is proof that it's his gun and that he brought it there. Um, and she had found it in the VHS case while cleaning and was just too scared to bring it up. The wife admits that everything Kagura said was true. And Kagura asks why Terioka killed the gangster. He admits that he was taking bribes and that he was slipping the gang's uh, information on the police. At first it was small, but eventually it hit the point of no return. The night before, the gangster had asked for money to run away. And he said that he'd reveal their relationship if he was caught. That's why he decided to uh, kill him and use Mori as his witness. He apologizes to Megary, and that's when his his wife starts to cry. So we get a a corrupt cop taken to the edge, to the point where he has to like use his yeah he's like protege as a as an accomplice to his murder as an alibi. So, uh, geez, rough, rough guy. He comes across as a real scumbag here. Just no real, like, redeeming qualities here. Uh, what did you think about, uh, Terraoka, Colleen? What did you think about his character? I think he was very misleading. Like, at first, he seemed like he was an okay guy. And, but, you know, just the fact that Kogoro respects him so much, like, there's already some sort of doubt cast upon him. And, as we figure out, he's not that great of a guy after all. It sure is rough for Kogoro because, like, the his the guy he went to college with wound up being a murderer. Now it's like the guy on the police force he was with wound up being a murderer. <laughs> like everybody he knows and like looks up to winds up killing somebody in front of him. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of. Um... It makes you appreciate Kogoro's serious side because when these things happen, like he gets all serious and he becomes very emotional. And it's nice to see that side versus the sort of drunkard, like partying Kogoro. So um, I guess I liked that aspect of uh, the case that, that it brought out Kogoro's um, other side. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of disappointed with the case for that same reasons, though, because we didn't see as much of it here. I kind of wish that Conan hadn't just knocked him out and solved the case. I wish he had, uh, since it is a more personal case, I wish that more care was given to where how he solved it. And I think, and while like we've kind of gone past this from like the early stages of this show where Conan would give him hint after hint, I feel like maybe a, a callback to that type of episode was needed to really push this home to make this case like more personal for Kagura because he did it doesn't even seem like he was like suspecting him as like a murderer or anything and then it's he just learns it after he wakes up so I kind of wish they had played on that more yeah mm-hmm. uh, what, do, what do you think Justin yeah, uh, we talked about it before in that one case where uh, Kogoro solves it himself. Um, those cases are really very, very far and few between in the manga. Uh, but those are always fun to watch. Because it's like, finally, Kogoro actually helped out. Now whether they realize it or not, or he takes the reins and uh, solves it out front, it's always fun to be able to see yeah, he's a little dumb sometimes, and a little klutz, and a drunk, and all that stuff. But when he is serious, and when he wants to get going, 
he uh, can really actually solve the case. And I wish they would do that more. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there because uh, he does have more more depth than just being a, a drunkard and stuff. And uh, we kind of see his depth here uh, after the ending as we learn that he's not just a drunkard but also a pervert. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we get to see Maury uh, looking outside of his office, looking all depressed, lamenting that people change and that Tamaoka wasn't the same person that he had known. Oh, sorry, Taraoka. Uh, Ron mentions that Taraoka told Kogoro that he had become a great detective and looked proud after he made the deduction. But Kogoro was still looking sad, probably because he didn't actually make the deduction. Yeah. <laughs> and he just woke up to learn that he was a, a killer. Um, Conan then asks what Kogoro is hiding in his cassette tapes as a joke. And that's when he walks over to the cabinet and then starts shaking one. And he's like, oh, this doesn't sound like a tape. And so he opens it up. And we see a ton of different lewd photos of the Kogo with some like hostesses and some like strippers. And uh, Conan quickly like tries to put it back and one of them falls out and Ron picks it up and she sees Kogo right next to this woman. Uh, It's quite the photo. She's in like a bunny outfit. She has bunny ears. It's kind of like a, like the uh, like playboy club. Oh, they'd have the playboy bunnies there um and uh ron starts just she's already getting mad at her dad and then kogoro starts chasing Conan around for finding his photos he's like oh, none of this would have happened if it wasn't for you <laughs> so at least Conan got him distracted and not thinking about uh his former friend there but uh what do you think about that kind of like lighthearted scene after uh the more serious a more serious episode colleen do you think that was needed to kind of get it back to the traditional canon uh fun definitely balanced it out because it was a more serious take like it it often is when um the culprit ends up being someone close to one of the main characters so i think this uh this ending scene actually really nicely kind of put us in a better mood if we if you call it that like okay we can end this on a high note and you can enjoy your week (laughs) I like my favorite part of the of like Kogoro in the like hostess club is that he had such a like bloody nose that he had to put like two like tissues in his nose to stop it from bleeding. Just like comical levels of nosebleeds. Famous mm-hmm. bloody noses. Okay, I I would get if um, Kogoro had like a stash of pervy magazines but a stash of photos of himself with a bunch of hostesses like Hawker, i don't know what he's doing with them like does he look at them every now and again like oh yes this was me with fifi and then this was me with tasha or i don't know like he likes to remember the good times but he has no photos of him and airy and like ron growing up nope, nope. those are all hidden. the valuables those are hidden in the basement, in a safe, under the cement, so nobody like can ever has see a them. basement. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Justin. They, they don't have a basement. See? That's how he gets you. That's where he's hiding them. You don't know. You would never know. Uh, we then get the next Conan's hint, which is table and ch- tables and chairs. So it might be a, a TLC ladder match, like pro wrestling. And what's the name tables of the episode? It's crab and whale murder case right 
Oh, let me uh, check here. Uh, I did not look up what the next cases are, but that would make sense considering the weird outro we get here. Uh, it is called the a crab and whale kidnapping oh, okay. case, and then uh, we're told that the next episode is kind of weird, and then we get this really weird Japanese pun that made no sense to me, but it was about crabs and whales. I tried reading like the sub note like five times, and I still did not understand it. But uh, so yeah, crabs and whales next time, people. And tables and chairs. How are they so gonna we're steal at a seafood restaurant. How they're gonna steal a whale? <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, so we're gonna cover two uh television originals next week: a crab, a crab and well kidnapping case, and the night road murder case. So those will be interesting to cover. Uh, but Justin, what do you think overall about this uh this episode here? Like most TV originals, I will not probably remember this by next week. Uh, I didn't remember it when I was watching it either. Uh, so... Yeah, I didn't remember it at all. It's just another case of a woman ruining everything. Yeah, if only she hadn't stick in her nose where she didn't belong and find her man's gun, everything would have been fine. That's why he yells at her. He's like, Misako! Oh, so you do remember the That was the one instance. That really stuck with you. A lot stuck with me with the wife because... Okay, first of all, her hair was superb. Like, it was amazing. I don't know what was going on. The wind was, like, blowing it to one side. And then there was another scene where um, uh, Kogoro was about to uh, tell everyone who did it. And he's like, okay, sit down, everyone. So all the men sit down. And then the wife and Ron are just standing there with their trays. And then they, they sit down in sync. So I was like, what is going on? It just is funny. It's the traditional Japanese setting arrangement. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I didn't really remember this, and uh, at first I was like pretty high on the episode. I liked the, you know, that it was had personal terms for Kagura, but they didn't really do much with it. Uh, I did like the ending. I thought the ending was really funny. Mm-hmm. I always like seeing Kagura be a perv. So I, I, I thought it was a fun enough episode. But it feels like it could have been so much better. It could have been like one of those rare anime originals that really transcend being just like yet another episode and could have been fantastic. And it didn't quite reach that, but still a worthwhile episode. Nothing bad. But uh, what if it was one of their most popular episodes? No, that would, that would have to involve toddlers. We already watched but, uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a great right, episode. So from this point on, like all of these are stinkers. Yep. <laughs> yep, only one popular episode. Already happened. Actually, for this case, I will say I liked the idea behind having the a third fingerprint be the evidence, but for some reason the execution just wasn't there for me. Yeah, it was kind of underwhelming that it was just the wife. <laughs> <laughs> While she was cleaning. Yeah. Also, if you're cleaning... You already have stuff to wipe the fingerprint off. That's true. I love how she didn't... <laughs> she didn't do... Yeah, she didn't think of that. It's like, oh, I'm just gonna hide it and pretend it was... I've never seen it before. Yeah, that's a real, like, bad coping method. Like, you can tell that, like, they're probably not having the greatest marriage where if she finds a gun, she's just like, I'm gonna put this out of sight and out of mind. I'm gonna pretend I never saw it. Uh, yeah, so... That'll do it 
for us this time. Uh, you can follow uh, our podcast on Twitter at case underscore reopened. Uh, give us a iTunes review if you want to. We'd very much appreciate it. And you can follow me at Tyler Treese. Uh, just don't yell at me about Japanese video games and politics, please, because I've gotten more than enough of that today. And then uh, Justin, you can follow him at at the Sigma Omega. That's that correct. correct. Give Justin a follow. He's always tweeting good stuff. Yeah. And then Colleen, you can find her in Canada, allegedly. <laughs> but we're not so sure after she couldn't name a single Rush song and said that she doesn't go to Tim Hortons. You don't go to Timmy Hortons? Uh, yeah, not anymore. Where did you get your coffee then? Oh dear. Um, I actually don't drink coffee. Wow. I'm a water kind of girl. Yeah, I don't drink coffee either. Oh, so okay. I, I can't really judge <laughs> okay. you. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say tea, and I was like, "Good, Colleen. You're good. You're one of the good ones." Okay. Are you sophisticated? You, yeah. You like? I'll, I'll drink. Earl Grey. I'll drink tea over coffee if that is any consolation. But uh, yeah, I was prepared to be very harshly judged when I said that I don't drink coffee, but I'm glad that... I mean, we might get a bunch of emails now, but we'll find out. Sure. Oh, yeah, I, uh, although I'm not on Twitter, I do, like, unofficially follow the Case Reopened Twitter account, so if you have something to say that's related to me, then um, I'll probably see it. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? Stalking our Twitter account? Is it called stalking if it's just publicly out there online? <laughs> I don't know. She's could establish that you're stalking the stalking the podcast area. Oh dear. Okay. Whatever. Uh, we already established that she's part of the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. She Are you just... a double agent? I cannot reveal that. Uh, she makes a note that you are on to her. But y- yes. <laughs> Well, if Kyle, if Tyler's not on the uh, next week's episode, he uh, went too deep into the rabbit hole. That's right. Let's just hope she uh, figures out our simple cast uh, login info so we can keep getting up episodes posted to it. <laughs> Password is one two three four. Ah, damn! She really is good. <laughs> oh, and here I thought it was I love Conan one two three. Oh, that's probably the username. Yeah, that's the username. <laughs> okay. That's my Gmail. Um, yeah. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Uh, Justin, do your lovely call-off. Well, now you said that, I'm not going to say it. You ruined it. Do you know who did it last time? No. Nope. Because we kept the Was it Kyle? Colleen. Did Kyle Colleen. come in and do it randomly? No, he didn't, he didn't show up. <laughs> Was it Kyle? Just for the last time. Colleen. Colleen beautifully said your send-off. Ooh. Well, <laughs> I I felt like we couldn't, you know, tie up the the podcast without it. Yeah, so please 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 uh let us treat us, Mr. Justin. And remember, one truth always prevails.